All right, guys, welcome back to the MCL podcast. I, I, I have no idea how to open this stupid podcast, um, and uh, mostly because it just feels weird trying to open a podcast when really it's just kind of me talking to you guys who I talk on Telegram with all the time, and um, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> Hey, it is Wednesday, so getting this out uh, a little bit earlier than I have been, so that's a win, right? Um, give you guys more time to, to listen and process, I guess. Hopefully hopefully that's helpful. I know uh, most of you guys are probably not catching this until you know Friday or Saturday or whatever, but that's all good. Um, hey, we are into week number five of our seven-part series uh, from the Gospel of John. Uh, on the I am statements. So uh, we got that going for us. And uh, this week is I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, before we dive in, just want to let you guys know um, again uh, how grateful I am for you, for your leadership. Um, and uh, I am definitely looking forward to talking more in depth about, you know, how do we move forward with uh, bad weather and, and that kind of thing as we figure out what's next for um, in this season of, of, of the COVID life uh, in the life of our missional communities. And um, so let's definitely keep that conversation going. Uh, it's it's so hard because I feel like in, in many ways there's just not a lot of good answers Um and uh, I really, really would like to try to avoid uh, Zoom as uh, the Zoom call, uh, Zoom meeting thing as much as we possibly can. If we have to go that route, uh, if that's the, the way we, we think is, is wise and appropriate, then um, I'm all for it. And uh, I will totally embrace it. Uh, however, uh, I just would love for us to figure out a creative way to to move beyond that medium because I just don't think it uh, is is as helpful as, as maybe we want it to be. Um, so I uh, would love would love your all, all of your thoughts. Uh, please share them uh, in Telegram. If you don't feel comfortable sharing them with everybody, uh, send me a private message or let's set up a time to to talk on the phone or um, or FaceTime or or what have you, and uh, and we can do that. So I need, need your input. Uh, you guys are leaders and you are wise, and there is a reason why uh, you are a part of this missional community leader um, community. So, uh, so yeah, um, let's see. Uh, doubt on tap was supposed to happen last night. It did not because of the monsoon that blew in. And uh, so just another example there of, you know, Needing to depend, be, being dependent on the weather is, is a tricky thing as we seek together. So far, we've been very lucky and blessed uh, to not have bad weather on Sundays, and let's hope that that continues. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all the info or the announcement-y kind of things um, that we need to talk through. Uh, so uh, n- week number five, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, we are going to, uh, really the focus of this story, um, or of this I am statement, uh, really truly is uh, verses 21 through 27. And that is Jesus' interaction with Martha. 
and uh, and it's at the heart of that where we see Jesus make this statement that uh, where he says, "I am the resurrection and the life." And and what's interesting about this is, uh, you know, from a narrative standpoint, uh, you'd almost feel like Lazarus Lazarus being uh, resurrected would have been the center, uh, but it's it's really not here, and it is, uh, um, it, it's it's this interaction that is the center of the story, uh, because it it kind of leaves you to this this moment, and uh, and we'll we'll try to get a sense of that, uh, but but I would challenge you to consider um, that. Uh, that verses 25 through 27 uh, are the heart of, of this narrative about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, this, again, is one of those places where context is so so big and there's so much context. Um, chapter 11 really starts a new, a new thing. And so chapter 10 uh, doesn't necessarily play too deeply into uh, uh, chapter 11 here. It's not like uh, you know, eleven one is some sort of continuation from ten forty two. Really, what we have is uh, you know, eleven one being the the beginning of of a new section here in the Gospel of John, kind of Jesus's last final march towards towards Jerusalem, really. And uh, it starts. It's so fascinating, right? Um, John eleven starts starts his final march towards Jerusalem with resurrection and. Ends and the book ends with with resurrection. Uh, do you think John uh, had a <laughs> had an end in mind? Um, these guys uh, that that wrote the Gospels were were masters. They were master writers. They were master storytellers. And uh, whether whether someone wants to hold to the full historicity of the Gospels or not, you cannot look past the uh, immense beauty of the literature that the Gospels are. Uh, Because at the very least, at the very least, uh, these are some just unbelievably well-written pieces of literature that are are amazing. And there's a reason. I think there's a reason they have staying power, uh, even beyond the church, right? Even beyond the religious. Uh, You have a lot of non-religious people studying the Gospels uh, in, in secular university settings. I think it's because, uh, at the very least, it is beautiful literature that uh, that impacts and challenges the way we think about life. So, um, so anyway, uh, that was an aside. That was that was free. Uh, so, I when I preach on on Sunday morning at Flint, I will probably read. Um, I will probably read. Uh, 17 uh, through 37 is my guess and um, and we'll go from there so that's what I'll read here uh, as well it says on his arrival now where was he arriving from well uh, he was arriving from uh, probably he was probably northeast of Jerusalem that's where a lot of scholars think Uh he was, he was probably coming from an area called Batanea, uh, which was about 150 kilometers or so northeast of Jerusalem. And, uh, and so he's, he's coming there. 
Um, and because uh, and, somebody had sent uh, a messenger to him. And, uh, you know, we get that back in chapter 11, verse 3. The sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And uh, Jesus, you know, the sickness will not end in death. And, and kind of go on this whole, this whole deal. Um, and then in uh, uh, verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So, so he's hanging out, um, and uh, so we get, to, we get to, to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus must have died uh, shortly after uh, the messengers were dispatched to Jesus. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister, Mary, aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So, I mean, Martha <laughs> Martha went out and got Jesus, right? Uh, she, went, she went to him. Uh, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The story was pretty consistent, right? I mean, Martha, Mary, same idea. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? All right. Um, and then Jesus goes on, uh, verse 38, deeply moved again. And, uh, and uh, I love this. Uh, in verse 39, just take away the stone, he said. Uh, this is, the image here is so similar to Jesus' own burial, right? The stone in front of the cave, the whole deal. And uh, you find out, you know, after three days, the stone had been rolled away. Um and, uh, and just so there's no question about, you know, the intelligence of these people. I mean, Martha was like, dude, we're not, not going to do this. The body will be stanking at this point. Um, and, uh, and so Jesus, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in the following action. Think about, I want you to think about this from a narrative perspective for a second. The falling action of the story is a man being raised from the dead. 
the following action of the story is a guy who had been dead for four days and Jesus raises from the dead. This is the falling action. This is the, oh, yeah, hey, hey, oh, by the way, this happened too. Because the center of the story is I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the center of the story. That is the, um, that's the, the narrative punch line of, of this of this story here. So, uh, so let's get into some of these things. Um, all right. Uh, first, uh, look at verse eight, uh, rabbi, you know, Jesus says, Hey, let's go back in verse seven in, in verse eight, the guys are like, yo, bad idea. Uh, the Jews tried to stone you when we went back, when we were there. Now this goes back to what we just looked at, right? Uh, back in John chapter 10 verses 31 through 39. Or thirty-one and thirty-nine, uh, where where the decide, you know, where the they were kind of like, yeah, no, we're 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 not gonna do this, um, and uh, and the the Jewish leaders did not like what Jesus was talking about. They did not like what he was teaching, and uh, and so he uh, is. They threatened to stone him. All right, and so the disciples were like, "This is a bad idea." But then, uh, verses nine and ten, uh, just this just might be some stuff that that people may have questions about, right? As, as they're looking around and scanning around it, um, it says, "Other than twelve hours of daylight, anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light." Now, um, you know, this world's light. He's talking about the sun. Uh, in this day and age, there were no clocks. So the understanding was there was 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of night. The, the length of an hour would, would lengthen and shorten depending on the season. And uh, so you'd work all day uh, and you would, you would not work at night. When the sun went down, your day of work was over. And so during, uh, you know, during the summer months, obviously those days were longer. During the winter months, those days were shorter. Um, and that was just kind of how, how they understood things. So there's that, there's that level. But then there's a second level here um, where, where Jesus, uh, you know, has, has already told them that he is the light of the world. And so I, there, there's kind of a second layer that these disciples need to go with Jesus and see and be a part of the works that he's doing because the light of the world is with them. And while the light is here, they need to do these works because after he leaves, they're not going to be able to uh, do these works in the same way or see the same things that they could see if they went with them. Uh, verse 16, uh, look what kind of, how just uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, Thomas was kind of a badass, right? <laughs> um, uh, we, we later find out that he's doubting Thomas. Um, gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes from folks. But look here, uh, Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. He's like, let's, hey, he, he's ride or die. We're ride or die with this guy. Let's go. Um, he, Thomas, by his actions, uh, is backing up the words that we see earlier, right, from, from Peter who says, where else will we go, Lord? You have the, you have the words of life back in John chapter 6. Uh, and here, here's Thomas backing that up and saying, yeah, guys, let's, let's ride, or, we'll ride or die with this dude. And uh, if he's going to get stoned to death, then, then, let's, then let's roll. Um, so we get to verse 17, four days. Uh, says, you know, we, and we learn that, that Lazarus had, had been in the tomb for four days. Now, uh, what is significant about that? Why that detail? Why th- it seems like such a meaningless detail. But what was important about it is that 
the rabbis in the first century taught that that's how long it took for uh, somebody to really be truly be dead. And what they mean by that is, is they they believed that after it wasn't it wasn't until the fourth day that the spirit of a person left. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, if you haven't, um, you know, if if you haven't, you know, been embalmed, uh, your body would start to decay and will start to stink at about the fourth day. And that was kind of when they understood the spirit of a person to have left. And so, uh, when Jesus shows up. Uh, Lazarus is is really fully on. He's gone. Um, so the idea is that his spirit has gone. He is all that is left is a stinking, decaying, uh, rotting uh, body. Now, uh, in uh, verses eighteen and nineteen, we read that a whole lot of people came from Jerusalem to to comfort these sisters. It's very common. Uh, you know, you know it's common to mourn. Uh, as, a, as a community together uh, in the first century, right? Uh, there's a period of mourning that, that folks would would engage with together. But the fact that we see many people from Jerusalem making the two-mile walk to Bethany uh, really pointed to the prominence of this family. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus must have been a very prominent, a well-known, well-loved family in, um, you know, in in the in in the region around Jerusalem. And so a lot of people felt like they needed to come and, and be a part of this this cohort of mourning with them. And so here we go. We get we get to the heart of it, right? Martha Martha is a no joke gal, right? She is a no joke woman. She is a type A, she's a leader, she is someone who demands respect. And so when she catches word that Jesus is on his way to them, she goes to Jesus. She doesn't wait. She heads out there, and she intercepts him outside of town, right? I mean, we, we get that. Um, uh, you know, we, we get that from uh, verse 30. Now, Jesus did not yet enter the village. Uh, Mary was on her way to go meet him outside of the village. Jesus hadn't even got into the village. He hasn't hasn't gotten there yet and he and she is like i'm gonna go talk to this dude um because here's the deal i know that if jesus had been here my brother would be alive because jesus would have healed him because why jesus loved him jesus cared for him jesus loves me jesus loves my sister and he would have prevented this pain from happening that's that's what is going that's probably what is going through martha's head and so she challenges him, right? You know, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then it's almost like she catches herself. But, but, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So what are you going to do about this, Jesus? How, basically, basically she is saying, Jesus, how are you going to fix this? What are you going to do to make things right? Because everything is wrong. My world is falling apart. What are you going to do? To make things right. And how does Jesus answer? Your brother will rise again. At this point, you can almost hear Martha's eyes rolling, right? 
I know he'll be resurrected on the last day. That is not what we're talking about here, Jesus. That's not, you know, like, she, she feels like here's just another dude giving her some sort of over-spiritualized platitude to try to make her feel better. And every funeral we go to, right? I mean, we all do the same thing. I mean, it's like, because we don't, nobody knows what to say in those circumstances. You don't know what to say to somebody when a loved one has died. It's awful, right? In our day and age, we say things like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry. Why? We're not apologizing. We're just trying to empathize. And she took it as some sort of over-spiritualized platitude. Um, and, you know, you go to a Christian, you get around Christian types, and, you know, we over-spiritualize crap all the time at funerals, don't we? You know, oh, Jesus needed another angel for heaven. Oh, Jesus called her home. Someday we'll know. We'll know why it had to happen like that. I mean, it, it, come on. It, they're, they're all platitudes. And when we over-spiritualize the platitudes, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. Instead of just saying, yo, this sucks. I, I, don't, I don't have any words for you. I'm just going to stand here and be quiet and hold you. Right? I mean, 99% of the time, that's what somebody really needs is just a hug. They just need somebody to stand there and hold them and hug them and let them cry. They don't need platitudes. They don't need these fake, false, thin words that are meaningless. And that's that's kind of what, what Martha probably seem, seems to think that Jesus was giving her. But Jesus kind of flips this whole thing. Right? Verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and life. What he is saying is, that he is the embodiment of resurrection. So there is, um, there is no resurrection apart from him. If, if Jesus doesn't bring about resurrection, there is no resurrection. They, and, and so the, the embodiment of, of resurrection in the person and work of Jesus is absolutely central to his teaching here. Um, and so we have, we, have to, we have to try to wrap our minds around this, what Jesus is saying. So on the one hand, he is resurrection. On the other hand, he is also life. It's a both and. I am the resurrection of life. Now he can say this uh, based on what we talked about last week, right? Where he received the command to lay down his life in the authority to take it up again. So he has authority over life and death. He has authority to bring about resurrection. He has authority to give life. And, and so there is this there is this depth to to who Jesus is and what what he's what he's saying here. And he goes on, he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Alright, so when you die, you're not like that's not the end of the story. There will be life after death, is what Jesus is saying, and that would have fit very well with with you know the understanding of of the first century, right? I mean, they believed in a general resurrection. Uh, that that was a normal belief, and and I think even for us, we can wrap our minds around the the idea that yeah, if I believe in Jesus, I get to go to heaven, I get to live forever. Okay, I, I get that. So so when I die, 
That's not the end. I'm not just worm food. There's, there's life everlasting. But he goes on. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So wait a minute. There is some sort of, by believing in Jesus, by following in Jesus, there is some sort of life before death so that we don't die. You see, we get to, what Jesus is saying here is you get to experience resurrection life right here, right now. There is more to the story. You see, in in the resurrection of Christ, the whole world has been reconciled. The whole world has been set back to rights. In a sense, he's turning back the page. He's saying, hey, we are not, we're not in we're not in, in, in Genesis three anymore. No, we are in we are in Genesis two, but it's not even that. It's not even that we go backwards. It's that we include and transcend. We we are not in Genesis three. We are in Revelation twenty. We are in we are in this beautiful, this beautiful reality that the world has sent back has been set back to rights. That that we can taste and experience resurrection life right here, right now. We can look out at this world and we can see the beauty and the grace and the love and the mercy. We can see it all. We can see it all in in this time, in this space. We don't have to wait till we die to taste resurrection life. Jesus said, what did Jesus say? I I, I bring, bring them kingdom they might have life and might have it to the full right john 10 10 see how all this ties together do you see how all of this begins to fit together right so so the question is how do we live life to the full right how do we how do we how do we experience heaven here heaven now what do you think it would have been like to live in eden what what do you think it would be like to live in the eternal what will it be like to live in the eternal kingdom of heaven? So we have to engage our redeemed imaginations. And the hardest part about teaching this passage is going to be that. It's going to be helping people try to see in their mind's eye how to engage this imagination that the world is not as messed up as we think it is. That there is such great beauty and purpose and meaning in this world that we live in right here, right now. We just have to discover it. And that, in many ways, goes back to the idea that the sheep know his name, right? Like, we're discovering this knowledge that we have already in us as image bearers of God. And so we get to taste and know heaven now. It's like the story of the prodigal son, right? The son re- returns and the father doesn't say, hey, I'm going to have this party for you uh, 20 years from now. He says, hell no, we're partying right now. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to party right now. That's, that's his point, right? The party is now. The resurrection life is now. We live now. So what do we need to do to live life to the full? How can we live how can we live life? Because He has redeemed all things, right? So, you know, the fallen condition focus is that we don't believe anything changes. We live in this world and we look around and we're like, man, Christianity's been around for 2,000 years. The world is just as cracked and messed up as it always has been. Man, that is just not true. Less, less people live in poverty than at any point in the history of humanity. Think about that. 
Think about that. Um, we are eradicating, we are seeing diseases eradicated. We are seeing, we are seeing life. Things are, things are, things are, by and large, things today in 2020 are so much better than they were in AD 100. Right? And yeah, we have a pandemic, and yeah, it stinks. But, but the world is, the world has been transformed. We don't believe anything changes. We don't believe that there's some actual real visceral change that takes place in us when we begin to follow Jesus. But it does. Something qualitatively changes about our lives when we seek to follow Jesus. When we seek to be a people who are pursuing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When, when we are pursuing that, we are diving into that, we are trying to live that way, something about us really does change. Because Jesus is the resurrection in life. It's who he is. And so the message big idea is bring out your dead. Bring out all the things that need new life. Bring out all the things that need new life. There's an apocryphal, a great apocryphal story about Jesus. Um, it might be in the Gospel of Thomas, uh, but it's kind of from the, the, the lost years of Jesus' life, so to speak, right? Um, you know, he's a teenager and... Um, and he's outside playing with, with his friends, the story goes, and he throws a rock and hits a bird and kills it. And Jesus, moved by compassion for the bird, goes over and brings the bird back to life, and the bird flies away. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture, right? And it's getting to this idea of bring out your dead, bring out the things that, that need resurrection, bring out the things that need redemption, bring out the things in your life, in, in, all, in all aspects of your life, that need new life. Bring them out. Bring them into the light of day. Let's work on them together. Let's bring them into community. And let's breathe life into them. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When we can bring out those dead things in our life to one another, to the, to, and bring them before, before Jesus, he, brings, he, he gives them life. He resurrects them. All these different aspects of our lives. Um, all right. In the in the notes, there's a couple of couple of additional thoughts um, that that you may find interesting, or that at least I did. Um, one of the great things about this particular passage is uh, you see Jesus's full on humanity, right? Um, friends that he loves, it says, um, and uh, and that's a beautiful thing. We see that he loved. He loved these people. You see him moved with deep, utter grief over the death of his friend Lazarus and over the, the sadness and the heartbreak of his friends Martha and Mary. He, he, he was moved to a deep, compassionate place. Jesus, Jesus here experiences the full emotions of humanity. Um, and, uh, and then in verses 41 and 42, we see Jesus do a little bit of performance art, right? Um, and, uh, you know, he says, I, I say this. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Uh, I know that you always hear me, 
but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is kind of saying, hey, he's praying out loud, kind of making a, 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 a little bit of a spectacle so that the people can kind of see what God is about to do. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so that's uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, it's it's a it's a great it's a great passage. It's a great story, um, and it really gets us to and 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 begs the question, same question that Jesus asked. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus can bring? life to all things that's the question my friends it's a question i hope you'll wrestle with i hope you'll think about it before sunday and uh, really process through it all right um so again uh, i would encourage you if there's something else in this podcast that you think would be helpful that you need please let me know and uh, i'll be happy to uh you know to add it and um yeah but until then Love well, my friends.